All right, once again, good morning. Good morning. And uh, we're going to, once again, we're going to continue our study of the book of Revelation. Today we're going to read all of chapter 18. So when you find Revelation chapter 18, would you please stand for reading God's word? All right, Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off and fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these, wa- of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, and purple and scarlet adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence, and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more, and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more, and the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, 
and the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And her, in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and all who have been slain on the earth. Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, asking for your, for your help. Lord, open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, our hearts to your truth, Father. Make your word effective in us so that we are changed by it, sanctified. Lord, grant that we may understand the main points of what is before us here. We may not grasp every detail, how all these things exactly work out, but we want to get the, the main thing that you are communicating to your people so that we are driven uh, even more into a closer walk with you, so that we are even more uh, valuing spiritual things, valuing you and the knowledge of you above all of the things of this world. I ask that you enable me to deliver the message you would have delivered here. Lord, I ask that you grant clarity and accuracy. And once again, open all of our ears to hear what you are saying to your people in this hour for your own honor and glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let me just give you a couple things to kind of help us with our, our context today, and then and then we'll uh, uh, dive into this passage. And, and uh, we won't have time, of course, this morning to cover everything in, in detail. But uh, but we do want to, uh, just as I was just praying, we do want to draw the, from it the main points that are being communicated here. Um, last week we looked at chapter 17, of course, and the judgment of the great prostitute. And I mentioned then, and I'll, and I'll try to, in, in just a few minutes, talk a little bit about what I think is represented there. But, but I mentioned then that we're going to see this again um, using different imagery. And I've, I've been saying this a lot as we've been moving through the book of Revelation. A lot of times we're getting the same story. It's just in different imagery. And, and that is the case here. In other words, I think what we have in chapter 17 and chapter 18 are two different ways of viewing the same All right, so the judgment of the great prostitute in chapter 17, um, it seems to me, is is the same event that we are are seeing here in chapter 18, just uh, related to us in different imagery. There it was a great prostitute. Um, Highlighting, I think, the the unfaithfulness that that uh, that would characterize the life of a Prostitute, right? There's, there's no, uh, no commitment, no, no faithfulness to, uh, in, in the case of a literal prostitute, no faith, faithfulness to a, a single man. And um, life is lived for gain, right? And that's, that's all it's about. It's all about the now rather than having eternity in view and the will of God in view. And it's all about w- what I can get. Now here, um, the same story is told. This time the imagery is a great city, Babylon, 
Babylon, the great city. In fact, if you want a, a title for this, um, I'm going to suggest this because this is kind of the point that I'm going to be making. Um, the city of man. The city of man. We've essentially got a, a, a theme that flows throughout Scripture, and it's no, no different here in the book of Revelation. Um, of these two, let's, again, using this analogy, these two cities of which we are citizens, that is, either of one or the other, not both, but either one or the other, um, you know, some, some uh, countries today, in fact, Jim, who's coming to be here, here tonight, has dual citizenship. He's a citizen of Mexico, and he's a citizen of the United States. But in the case of these two cities, um, it's one or the other. There's no dual citizenship. And they are the city of man, which I'll explain as we go here, but it's being represented uh, in this chapter as uh, Babylon. That's the analogy that's being used. The other city is, of course, the city of God, the kingdom of God. And all, all the way through, as we've been making our way through the book of Revelation, we've been, we've been highlighting that struggle, that struggle that is taking place between the city of man and the city of God. Or you could, to say it another way, you could say the kingdom of Satan and all of his followers and the kingdom of God, which, of course, includes all of the followers of Jesus, the people of God. So here, uh, the focus is once again on judgment upon the city of man. Or to say it another way, the destruction of the world or the world system. This is the final judgment that God brings uh, upon this world um, just prior to the very end. Now, we, we, we went through, the, uh, for example, the seven bold judgments, and we talked about that a great deal uh, so, so, again, just to reiterate, I think we're getting the same story here, um, but in, these picturesque, uh, in this picturesque form, in chapter 17, the judgment of a prostitute. In chapter 18, the judgment of a great city, Babylon. And, and you know, if you're, if you're a student of the Old Testament, you know that Babylon stood um, as an enemy, against God, of God, enemy of God's people and, and an oppressor of God's people, right? And so it's fitting that that city would be used here. And, and that really um, it really has deeper roots than just the, uh, um, the dispersion where, where the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed uh, Jerusalem and, and took all of the, uh, the Jews into captivity. Um, this, this greater struggle that is represented through those things uh, even goes back deeper in human history and begins with the Tower of Babel, Right? where man tries to set himself up as opposed to God, to lives and, and builds, in that case, builds a tower, not for the glory of God, but for the glory of man. So I, I, I think that's what's being represented here, and that's why I'm calling it the city of man. In other words, it, it's, it's representative of a whole manner of life which is spent for self-glory which is spent for, the, for worldly gain. What you can get in this world. Uh, you can think of it in terms of, of, of uh, temporal blessings, uh, or we would think of as blessings, but temporal um, um, pleasures, possessions. As a matter of fact, you look at verse 11, and, and you, you, you get some description there of uh, 
the merchandise of this city. Described here as cargo of gold, verse 12, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and slaves, that is human souls. In, in other words... It's all about luxury. In fact, that term is used several times here. It's all about material um, wealth. Um, look at a um, few examples here. Look at verse 3, the latter part of the verse. Uh, it talks about the nations who have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. I should highlight, too, in the first part of that verse, the fact that he, he, he uses the phrase, all nations... And that, again, is, is part of the struggle uh, that goes on throughout the Bible. Um, satanic influence is over all nations. Promise of salvation goes to what? All nations, right? So, um, there, there again is a picture of the struggle, the struggle for all the nations. And we know who the victory is in the end. Or at least if you've been with us so much of this study, you should know by now. Uh, and, and Lord willing, we'll come back to that in a few moments as well. But again, they're drunk on her luxurious living, that is, the luxurious living of the, the, the great city, the city of Babylon, the city of man. You look down in verse um, 7. As she glorified herself, and as I mentioned a moment ago, you, you, can, you can find the root of that all the way back in Genesis chapter 11 uh, in the story of the Tower of Babel. She glorified herself and lived in luxury. So there it is again. Then look down in verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her. And you look down in verse 14. The fruit of which your soul longed has, your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors. Are lost to you. So there it's, it's described as delicacies and splendors. Another, another way of talking about the lux, luxurious living. Verse 15, the merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment. Verse 17, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. Again in verse 19, Alas, alas, the middle of the verse. Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. So you see there's a great emphasis there on the wealth of the, the great city, Babylon, and, uh, and her, her luxurious lifestyle with which she was influencing all of the nations. That is, they were um, intoxicated by her wealth, by her manner of living. All nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now, we talked, uh, I talked a great deal about that last week, so I'm not going to go uh, you know, all the way back into that, but I'll just, I'll just say this. Um, literal sexual immorality is a part of that. But remember, we're, we're using uh, the, the language of analogy here. So, so that's, that's not the total picture. 
literal sexual immorality is a part of it, but that's not the total picture. I think it's being used here as a as a uh, as a as a type or, or a way uh, uh, to represent um, just sensual living, which again in- includes sexual immorality, but it goes far beyond that. So it's just the idea of, of living for the pleasures of this world. All the nations of the earth have drunk of the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And notice, by the way, how he's mixing the metaphors here because he's, he, while he's talking about the great city, the city of Babylon, he's still using terminology applicable to a prostitute, isn't he? Because that's, that's what this great city is guilty of, prostitution and, and guilty of that manner of lifestyle. But again, um, think of it in, in um, symbolic terms. So she's living for temporal, material gain. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Or you could say um, temporal pleasures, what are thought to be um, pleasures in this world. And, and that's, that's what this city is all about. Or you go back to chapter 17, that's, that's why the whole analogy of a prostitute. That's what her whole manner of life is about. And she's deceiving the nations to participate in her immorality. And what John is seeing here is assurance that her judgment is coming. Her judgment is coming. Her, her time is, is limited, and her judgment is coming. Now, let me just say this before we move on, because I, I think this is always important as, as, as we try to get the big picture. Um, I said earlier on, I said this several times, as, as, a, as a way of summing up the book of Revelation, you know, a lot of times people talk about it being an enigmatic book and, you know, we can't understand it. And so, so let's just keep it in real simple terms. As, as a way of summing up the meaning of the book of Revelation, um, I like to use John 16.33, the words of Jesus in John 16.33. Well, what Jesus tells his disciples in John 16.33 is this. In the world, you have tribulation, but... Be of good cheer, or take heart, for I have conquered the world. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have conquered the world. Alright, that in a nutshell is the message of the whole book of Revelation. It is the Lord communicating to His church. In the world you will have tribulation. So when you, when you see all of these things, don't be shocked. When people make fun of you, when, when people call you, you know, you and, your, and our, our, us and our, our worldview, when they call it primitive or something like that, don't be shocked. When they hate us, don't be shocked. When they refuse to live our mores, our, our, our morality, don't be shocked. When they persecute us, either in word or maybe even physically, Don't be shocked, because in the world, this is the way Jesus said it would be for His followers, in the world you will have tribulation. When you you see stories in the news of Christians being beheaded, separated from their families, I was reading a, a story this week, it was actually in the New York Times, 
the title of it was something like, uh, Is This the End of Christianity in the Middle East? Something to that effect. If you want to Google it, it's well worth the read. But, but one of the stories in the article was th- these Christians. Um, uh, I may have the city wrong. I, b- I believe it was Mosul. I may be wrong. But a city in Iraq, <clears throat> ISIS took the city. And they gave an opportunity for all the Christians to leave. And they told them that they were going to let them leave. They were going to bust them out. They, when they got down to the, where the buses were, they, they began to separate them out. And they snatched a small child from the arms of its mother. Uh, I believe it was, a girl, yeah, it was a girl. So from the arms of her mother. Handed the child off and put the child's mother on a bus and sent her away. They sold the mother into slavery and turned the child over to a Muslim family to be raised as a Muslim. And what Jesus is saying, part of what Jesus is saying here is when you see those things, if you experience those things, don't be shocked in, in this sense. Of course, that is shocking. But don't be shocked in, as, as though that's uncharacteristic of the world or something like that. No, in the world, you have tribulation. But listen, saints, <laughs> and the story doesn't end there. He says, take heart. Because I have conquered the world. I have conquered the world. So yes, for the Christian, uh, there may very well be trouble, and certainly there will be trouble, and may very well be even physical persecution uh, in this world, but it's temporary because God is bringing judgment on this world. Everything that stands in opposition to God, which we've seen represented in different ways here, we're seeing it represented now, as the, uh, the great city, or what I'm calling the city of man. I call it the city of man because it's man-focused. Just like the Tower of Babel. They were erecting a tower there to show how great they were. To exalt their name. To advance their agenda. Rather than living for the honor and the glory of God. As citizens of the city of God, the kingdom of God. All of those types of things, just like the Tower of Babel. You remember the story, what, what God did with, with the people at the Tower of Babel. He, he put an end to that, didn't He? He came down and brought, uh, confused them by confusing their languages, separated them by confusing their languages. Well, that's what's going to happen with the whole world system. Everything that stands in opposition to God, every follower of it, God is bringing judgment. Now, that's the announcement. Fallen. Fallen is Babylon the Great. And see how he describes her desolation in verse 2. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit. Now again, he's just using these things as an analogy to describe the desolation of uh, everything that stands opposed to God. And I said last week, and I'll mention this again, this is just kind of uh, um, maybe a little speculation on my part, but, but last week um, when we were talking about the beast rising up against the prostitute, uh, and I, I said maybe one possible explanation for that is that the, the prostitute there represents not simply the, 
the world system in general, but maybe something a little more specific, such as false religion, right? I, I mean, I think that's one possibility, and that's why you would find uh, the beast and, and the other kings that, that come against it um, um, destroying uh, what is essentially one of their own. and just seems like a plausible explanation to me. Um, so, so if that's the case, then... Um, that would be true here. In other words, God is, God, is, God is making it desolate, showing it for what it really is. That is, showing false religion, any form of false worship, any form of idolatry, showing it for what it is, to be empty, void of any real power, and uh, being unable to last. So again, he's using uh, an analogy of, of the city. And by the way... Um, this this uh, this actually happened literally in terms of Babylon. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a desert place today. What once was the great uh, city um, city state of Babylon is is um, pretty much what you see right here uh, in verse two: a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. And he's saying that's the way it is going going to be for the world and for the ways of the world. God will bring them to nothing, to naught. Show them to be what, show it to be what it indeed really is. There's a second thing we need to mention here, and that's the call, or the command, you might say, to come out of the city of man. Now listen, primarily, and I was pointing this out when I was talking about John 16:33. Primarily, what I see here in the book of Revelation. Is, is assurance for believers. That's the purpose behind it. It's, a, it's assurance for believers. Because when we get into trouble in this world, when we're suffering, we need to know that God's in control. And that there's coming a day when everything's going to be set right. Judgment is coming on the wicked. Reward is coming for the people of God. And all of the injustices that we witness on a daily basis will be set right in the final judgment. But there's a second aspect, too, that we've been mentioning. And that is, while at the same time God is giving this assurance to His people, there seems to me at the same time to be this continual call to repentance for those who have not yet Repented. And I always hope to make that clear as well. You know, sometimes we're just kind of matter matter of factly saying this is the way it is. You know, this is this is the, the blessings that go along with believing. This is the damnation that goes along with rejecting the gospel. And that's fine. I mean, it's, we we need to say the truth about those things, but at the same time saying, look, we're not at the end yet. It's not too late. It's not too late to get in, right? It's kind of like Noah preaching that the rain is coming. It's not too late. At this point, it's not too late to get on the boat by the grace of God. But there is coming a day, and we're starting to see, starting to see it as we move closer to the end of Revelation. There is coming a day when the door shut just like it was on Noah's Ark. God shuts the door and no one else is able to get in. And that day's coming. 
but it's not here yet. It's not here yet. And as long as you're still here, if you're alive, breathing, and all that good stuff this morning, then it's not too late. So here's the call in verse 4. Come out of her, my people. And I, and I think it could probably be seen as kind of a, with kind of a dual meaning here. One I, I just talked about. That is, for sinners to come out of the world and out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, right? Come out of the city of man, come into the city of God. <laughs> and then secondly, and this may be the primary point here, but it would be for God's people to separate themselves from the world in the right way. I'm not talking about going off and living in a monastery, but I am talking about living for the glory of God. Forsaking every element of living for self-glory. Turning away from every path that, that takes us down that road where we would be drunk on the, the pleasures of this world. Intoxicated, right? With the sexual immorality of the great prostitute. Sensual living. Driven by our senses rather than a view for the glory of God. So he says, come out of her, my people. And you'll find that language in Isaiah 52.11. I'm just going to give you the references here. Isaiah 52.11, 2 Corinthians 6.17, and Jeremiah 51.6. And by the way, um, I'm not taking the time to turn there either, but if you go back, and I would suggest you do this, read Jeremiah 50 and 51, chapters 50 and 51, and uh, you'll see where this imagery is coming from. Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51, the imagery that we're seeing here in, in chapter 18. So here's the call. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. So he's calling the saints of God to not participate in the sins of Babylon. Separate yourself, lest you become a participant in her sins and likewise in her plagues. So come out of her, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. God has remembered her iniquities. That is, her judgment is sure. Contrast that, by the way, um, to the promise that our sins are, are forgotten by God. That is, he doesn't, he doesn't hold them against us, those who are in Christ. But hers He remembers. So he says, come out. Don't participate. Now again, that's, that's not a call to uh, uh, ascetic living. doesn't mean that you have to walk away from everything and everybody and find a mountain somewhere <laughs> and build a little hut and stay there until Jesus comes or until you die. What it, what it does mean is that we separate ourselves from worldly living. And I know some of you are probably already thinking, give us a list so we know exactly <laughs> so we know exactly what it is that we're you know, don't go to movies or you know, don't don't uh, don't what? Don't wear short sleeve shirts or well no, the idea is just is, is a little more positive than that. Just live for the glory of God. 
Think about what Paul says in Philippians 3. Everything of the world, everything that Paul had before Christ, before he came to know Christ, before the Lord saved him, everything that he considered to be valuable and worth devoting his life to, in comparison to Christ and the knowledge of Christ and the excellence, what Paul calls the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Paul says all of that is manure, dung, refuse. It's all loss. The stuff that I used to put under the, under the gain column, Paul says, now I list it under the loss column. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So, his whole life focus shifts from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. That, that's the difference in a citizen of the city of God versus the citizen of, a city of, man, of the city of man. Apart from Christ, as a child of the devil, as a child of this world, what do we do? Those of us who are saved, what did we do before Christ invaded our lives by the grace of God? Well, we spent every living moment living for, for self, right? Given, driven, given to selfish gain. Sensuality. Just, just living for sensual pleasure, the satisfaction of the senses. In other words, just living for, the, for this world. Temporal pleasures, temporal gain in the forms of possessions, or maybe status. But the citizen of the city of God is focused on the glory of God. She, Babylon, glorified herself. That's, that's what the world is characterized by. So he calls his people to come, come out. Come out of her. Separate from her. In fact, I am going to turn to one of those references I gave you um, in 2 Corinthians uh, 6.17. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them. So this is Paul quoting from Isaiah 52. Therefore, go out of their midst and separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then listen to this. Just pretend that, just pretend that chapter division isn't there. <laughs> All right? And the, and the thought just continues. Paul says again in verse 18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since, Paul says, since we have these promises, that is the promise of sonship, right? The promise that God will dwell among us, verse 16, be our God and that we will be His people, that we will be His sons and daughters, verse 18. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Again, what uh, our minds tend to go to is, you know, some form of 
list of do's and don'ts. But let me just let me just say this: what is central to it? What is the key to it? And that is trust in Jesus Christ. Or, as I was saying a moment ago, valuing Him above all else. And I'm not going to take time to go through all this, but you, you read further through Revelation chapter 18. And what do you find? The, the people who were drunk, intoxicated on her idolatrous and adulterous ways, lamenting in horror at her desolation. You know why? Because all of their hopes were wrapped up in that city. Their lives were centered around that city and the wealth of that city. It's what they lived for. So brothers and sisters, the message for us, our hope is Jesus Christ, nowhere else. It's not in this world. It's not in the things of this world. In fact, we're clearly seeing here, right, that there's coming a day when all of these things will be destroyed, when God brings judgment. What we see around us, what we experience in terms of, of, of uh, uh, you know, those apart from Christ, who oppose us, even persecute us, all of that is coming to an end when Christ returns. So come out from her. Separate from her. Don't be a participant in her sins and her plagues. Trust in Christ and Christ alone. Now let me just close with this. Just using the analogy here and, and, and what I'm describing as the city of God and the, and the city of man. Every person who's been born again by the power of God, by the grace of God, is a citizen of the city of God. That's just another way of talking about the kingdom of God, or what we call Christianity, being a follower of Jesus Christ. And everybody who's been born again by the power of God is a citizen of that city, that kingdom. But everybody who's outside of Christ is a citizen of the city of man, the great city, Babylon, that we're reading about here. And there's no, there's no no man's land. There's no neutral place where, you know, I'll, I'll pitch my tent in the middle somewhere. And in this case, that's an impossibility. It's an either-or proposition. You're either in the city of God or you're in the city of man. You either belong to the city of God or you belong to the city of man. You're either in this world and not of it because you're of the kingdom, kingdom of God, or you're in this world and you're of it. You're worldly, earthly, sensual. It's, it's, an, it's either or. It's like in the days of Noah. You were either in the ark or outside of the ark. Is one or the other. And when the destruction comes, when the judgment comes, when God judges this world, if you are a citizen of the city of man, 
you will suffer the judgment that God pours out on the city. Again, it's just like being outside the ark. Noah, Noah persuaded people to get in the ark. He tried to persuade people to get in the ark. It wound up only being eight souls, his, his own family. And everybody outside the ark was destroyed. But if you're in the kingdom, if you're in the kingdom, if you're in Christ, then you're safe. And let me just say, for all the believers here, and I hope that everybody in this room is a believer, I, I hope, for the believers here, it, it, even no matter how bad it gets in this world, if you're in Christ, you're safe. Now, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're safe from the world. In, this, in other words, I'm not saying you won't suffer persecution. I'm saying even if you suffer persecution, severe persecution, ultimately you're safe if you're in Christ. And that's what the Lord wants us to know. So I'll leave you with this this morning, um, just before we pray and close. If you are here today and you don't know Christ, maybe you know. Maybe you know that you're not in Christ. Maybe you know that you've never been born again. Then I hope that one thing reading this passage does is alert you to the danger. The imminent danger. And I urge you to come to Christ. That's, that's the only safe ground. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. <laughs> Flee to Christ. He says, come out of the city. You know where you go? Christ. Flee Babylon. Flee to Christ. For whatever trust you've got in this world, whatever love you've got for this world and the things of this world, forsake it and flee to Christ for mercy. And do it today. Do it today. Because this world and the whole world system is coming under God's judgment. And believers... Believers, those who know Christ, who follow Christ, will receive not judgment, but blessing and reward eternally. Would you stand, please? We're just going to close with a word of prayer, but I, but I ask you to seriously consider those things. And, uh, you know, I always uh, want to be clear. You, you don't have to come to me. You don't have to come to the front of the auditorium, you just have to come to Christ. You just have to call out to Him for mercy. Now, if you want somebody to pray with you or talk with you, I am more than happy to do that. I am not in a hurry. And there are other brothers and sisters here that I'm sure feel the same way. But settle it today. If you don't know that you're safe in Jesus, settle it today. We're going to close with a word of prayer. Brother Lane Moore, you mind praying for us and we'll be dismissed.